Are you one of the only on your job? Do you wonder why the same type of people continue getting promotions? Have you dreamed of getting to the top but don't know how? Welcome to Secrets, a podcast devoted to showcasing dilemmas faced by underrepresented employees in their quest to climb the career ladder. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, have experienced the corporate grind for more than 20 years. Now they want to share adventures, pitfalls, and C-suite secrets that they've learned along the way. So let's fill up those cups and get started. So what's going on, man? So how's things going in your world? What's up, Ricky? You know, it's going all right. As I reflected back on this 2020 uh, presidential primary, there is one word, this word electability, that just grated on my last nerve. It reminded me of the coded language and microaggressions that minorities have to deal with in the workplace. And if you think about that word electability, it always applied to the woman who was running for president, the black or Hispanic person, the gay guy that was running for president. And so it just struck a nerve with me that it was used to hold people back. And that just just annoyed the crap out of me. So when you say like coded language and microaggressions, what the heck does that even mean? Yeah. So from a definition standpoint, a microaggression is an unconscious or innocuous expression of racism or sexism, even if it's unintended. And it shows up everywhere, particularly in the workplace. So you got words like well-spoken. You're so articulate, flashy, you're aggressive, you're smart, you're hysterical, especially for a woman. You're too emotional. I'm not sure if you're a good cultural fit or not. All these things are examples of just microaggressions. Well, I think today is going to be a a very interesting day as we kind of tackle this topic then. So specifically for our listeners today, what we're actually going to speak about in this episode, we're going to share some of our personal experiences with microaggressions and be able to talk to you about how this has probably impacted us. We'll also take some time to provide for you additional microaggressive examples and coded language. I know Keith just started speaking about that a little bit, but we'll go into more detail with that. We'll also talk about some potential structural and personal negative outcomes from this kind of language. And then we'll close out with our patented secrets for how to deal with these microaggressions. Yeah. And and Ricky, just to jump in, being a black man, being an athlete, being someone who's climb the corporate ladder. I'm sure you've had a lot of experiences dealing with microaggressions. Why don't you share with us some of your experiences as you've seen this play out in the workplace? This topic is probably near and dear to me for many reasons. I mean, especially as we started speaking about even like our backgrounds where so many times we've been like the only only one or something like that. So you'll hear some things and sometimes it's kind of hard to deal with, but I'll even kind of start with a few weeks ago I had an employee who will remain nameless, but came to me with like a situation. And he said to me, like, so this brother right here is young, young cat, just got promoted. Doing his thing. Handling it, working hard. Even to set the context even more, Ivy League educated, has done everything we needed him to do, gets promoted. And one of my peers actually says to him, hey, you've gotten promoted now. You've made it. You know, you don't have to. you, You have arrived. You don't have to use 
those big $5 words. You What's know, you don't $5 word. <laughs> I have no idea. Right. And you don't have to dress as nice. That's not how you do it. Ricky, you know, that's a setup. You know that, right? Oh, yeah, that, exactly. Now, if I came into work, well, number one, we'll talk about this in another episode, but I think people treat you how you dress. People react to you in terms of how you in terms of what command do you have of the of English the language? Yep, the <laughs> you know, so again, but this brother's just being who he is. So he got a little bit confused and we have like our regular touch base conversations. And he asked me, Hey, you know, I had something that kind of came up and how should I deal with it? And when he talked to me, I said, it sounds to me like this was a bit of a microaggressive comment. Sometimes people say these things and either they do know what they're saying or sometimes out of ignorance, maybe they don't. But it's definitely an insensitive comment. But, you know, my history has been situations like that, given the type of work that I do. Sure. I could actually speak to you about one that's actually pretty funny. You know, most people didn't know. You don't know me or close to me. They know about Big Red. Okay. Big Red. Big Red's your truck. Big that's, Red is my baby. That's your man. baby. Big, Big Red is my baby. So I'm trying to, I, I'm almost there. I almost got 400,000 miles on it. Oh my okay? 400? I, I almost got the 400,000 on it. You running that thing to the ground. So, so, but the problem that I kind of have when I start thinking about it is I really don't care too much about that type of stuff. So I've been in senior leadership roles and whatnot, and I do not have a problem Coming into the office. In Big Red. Backing it in into the closest spot since I get there right early. Right against the building. <laughs> right there. Yeah, you, in right the ball, there. you in the boss parking lot. <laughs> Absolutely. So I get there. But I remember walking out one time, just leaving work, and I was walking out with the with a, like a very senior leader. We were walking out, and I got ready to walk over to my car. We're just talking. He says, oh, that's your car? And I didn't really pay any attention to it, you know, but I said, uh, yeah, yeah, that's my car. And he says, Oh, well, I thought you would have drove something like maybe a little bit more flashy, like an Escalade oh, with really? some rims on it. Just that, yeah, oh, wow. That. So I laughed and I said, well, I said, well, why would you think that? He says, well, you know, and I said, God, you know, save it. I said, actually, you're the one with the Escalade because actually he had, he, an driving, right? he had an Escalade with rims on it. And I was like, well, no, I'll leave the flashiness up to you. I was like, everything doesn't kind of look like what you think it is sometimes. But again, that was a, a very clear example of the stereotyping or you fitting into a box or people making comments without even really knowing you, the person or what's important. Absolutely. You know, They're to trying you. So, to keep you. But again, I think that's, you know, I think about how microaggressions of how I see them in very different contexts. Talk about you. I mean, being a finance person and being at the top of the food chain when it comes to, you know, oh, finance sure. and being a CFO, I'm sure you've had to deal with some of these things, especially even given like being in the finance world and the, the mergers and acquisitions world and stuff that you yeah, do now. Yeah, all of that stuff. Talk That's to right. me about like, talk to me oh, a little yeah. bit about you know, how mean, it's impacted I, and you. And I'm sure you've had this experience too. I mean, you're standing up in front of a room giving a presentation to senior executives and things like that. And once you're done, you threw down, you did your thing. And then they're like, you're so well-spoken. That was so intelligent, <laughs> right? Just shit like that where you're like, well, what did you expect? I have a title. I, this is my job. What, did, what did, did you, you think? Did you go to school? Did I go to school? <laughs> Wait, they didn't just pull you off the street to get right, this job, exactly. right? <laughs> I'm the affirmative action guy now, and I can't speak or anything. They just want me up there clowning. But that isn't going to happen, right? And even outside of the work environment, just dealing with your family. And I'm sure you've experienced this too, because we've talked a lot about being the only. So we've grown up, been in a lot of environments where we were the only person of color mm -hmm. in the room. But then you go back and you're dealing with your family and talking to them. And now 
You talking white. You don't know how acting all funny. You are L7. You are <laughs> square. That's you right. All, all of this stuff like that. But again, that's also microaggressions within our community. And then me being part of the LGBTQ community, a standard one is, oh, you don't act gay. What the or, hell or, does or gay you don't look gay? Oh, don't look gay. <laughs> what the hell does gay look or act like? <laughs> Am I supposed to be running around in the dress and shit and like <laughs> with makeup on? So it's just those types of things, just those little microaggressions are all there constantly. Right, right. So so I, I'm thinking though, for some of our listeners, again, some of them I think we're being hypersensitive or bringing up or making an issue out of something that's no issue. Yeah, the mountain out of the mole here, right? right. But think about it, though. Give me some examples if you can. I guess we can kind of go back and forth here. Let's talk about or maybe even mention additional examples of microaggressions or even coded language that you might hear on a a day-to-day basis. That's right. Getting back to just being black, you don't act like other black people. What does that mean? World star. What's <laughs> Everybody right? doesn't have to be from world star. You know exactly. What I mean? yeah. Everybody doesn't have to be like that. And ladies, especially black ladies, get this question. I know even even myself as a black man, can I touch your hair? Yeah. Is, Is it, it real? real? Is it real? Is it real? What do you do to make your hair look like that? That's a bull. <laughs> or, or what happens to your hair when it gets wet? When it gets wet. <laughs> I got you. Me being from Oklahoma, I can recall growing up, you know, in Southern California and people attribute the way that you speak, obviously, to your level of intelligence. Right. So the minute you hear someone with a Southern accent or a Midwestern accent, Mm -hmm. people may ask you, so where are you from? They will automatically attribute it to. Texas. Yes, you know, exactly. Some place <laughs> down south. And, and if right, you have right. a southern accent, God help you because you're dumb as brick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they attribute that to your, your level of intelligence. For sure. Spoke about for sure. Before. Or even somebody that's Asian. You got that that vernacular of being Asian. Now you're like, they're making fun of you. Right, right. And especially, you know, when you start thinking about as where people may not necessarily view it this way. But it is a bit microaggressive as you're speaking about the Asian culture. When people look at someone and say, or are you Chinese? Or are you Chinese, right. Or if they look at someone who might be Hispanic, are you Mexican? Mexico. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Like... Everybody Hispanic from Mexico. <laughs> got you, got you. I think also being in uh, corporate America and being in the boardroom sometimes and, and you get the interruptions, like men constantly interrupting women. That's right. <laughs> just talking over you, talking over you, through you, around you, yep. just the whole thing. You don't exist. You just don't exist. <laughs> you don't exist. It seems to me is as we're thinking about like the the impact of these microaggressions, right, of this coded language, it seems to me like a lot of this is really like psychological in nature with the frequency of the occurrences. I mean, this stuff happens right. every day. It's and like sometimes, psychological warfare. But, you know, like you get used to it and sometimes you don't really deal with it or you don't really think about even like the overarching impacts of that. I mean, we hear this today as we listen if we're in politics and we're listening to the description you know of people or even like some of the shithole countries right you know we're or talking she's about, nasty right 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 exactly just, but just you know you, like you kind of think about that but a lot of times this happens without you even noticing it happens so frequently that you become numb yeah you become numb you know, to the whole uh, thing to it if we're talking about this help me like really understand like if we're if we're saying like the moral to the story like what yeah. does this shit even really mean yeah i i mean i think 
when it comes to microaggressions, microaggressions are all about trying to keep you in your place and all about somebody else trying to maintain their power and privilege over you at the end of the day. And that's what it's all about. And that's why they're so impactful, right? Yeah. You start thinking about that comment when you just said it's about like power and privilege and maintaining that structure, so to speak. I mean, this can like really, really have some negative impacts, for sure. especially when you're thinking about career wise, right? Like, so for example, one of the comments I cannot stand hearing, right? So I'm an early riser. Mm-hmm. I get up and it's still dark. I get to the office and it's dark. Yep. So I leave when it's daylight, when I'm re- getting ready to come home. Mm-hmm. But most people are coming in kind of late. And one of the comments that I hear people make sometimes, and this has always kind of bothered me, oh, you are working today. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, oh. I wish I had banker's hours. Right. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I wish was- your ass got in at 10. <laughs> I've been here since seven. <laughs> Exactly. Why don't we talk about exactly. that? Exactly. You also think about it in these terms. Where like, if we're thinking about like the outcomes, if those are comments that are made in earshot of people who make decisions, or then there becomes a bit of a narrative about exactly. you that's not true. And it starts to filter into everything: your performance review, your right. your opportunities in your career, yeah. all of those. So things, we're talking right? about fewer career opportunities, right? Because the minute we start talking about we start having talent discussions as leaders. We start talking about talent and saying, hey, what about Keith Powell? Well, I just don't think I see him work that hard. Well, what do you mean? Well, he always leaves early or something like that. Like mm-hmm. no one quite knows that Keith is sending emails at 10 p.m. at night. Right. That Keith is coming into the office that's at sad, 7, yeah. right? So we have a dialogue that's untrue. That's, that's untrue. now starting to perpetuate like a bit of a, of a stigma about you. But that could potentially mean fewer opportunities in the talent discussion for you based off of microaggressive behavior or Absolutely. commentary or coded language that's right. before. That's right. And to fill on to that, that's a long-term thing with your career. The short-term part of that is that when it comes to your raises and your salary, yeah. now you're getting 1% and 2% right. instead of 3 4 5 6% mm-hmm, just because of that narrative that's been created. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I completely understand. I mean, especially when you start thinking about like the work environment in general. If you're in an environment where where these type of comments are being made on a regular basis, you're not necessarily dealing with it, or this is just how we are. You know how it is. We're just playing around. That could become a bit of a toxic environment. For right? sure. Like, in, For sure. not to make someone be litigious, right? but again, we're talking about an environment that's not conducive to you producing your best outcomes or your most significant mm-hmm. results, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about something that could be considered constructive discharge if you decide that hey i can't take it anymore or right, if you right. if you brought this up to your senior leaders or your your bosses and they said that's just how we are you just need to kind of get over it. they're you just playing get through it that's right, right. it's so gonna again, be all right that can end up becoming a bit of a toxic environment that's right and i think especially for women and people of color at some point with all of this these microaggressions about you having a place and a role that you're supposed to fit you start to see that segregation of occupations, right? right? Where 
you got women and minorities who are overrepresented in kind of those lower paid, lower level positions, entry level positions. They yep. get pigeonholed into functions. Like you get a lot of women in HR roles. Yep. yep. You get all those types of things start yeah, to education, happen. Education, social right. services. That's right. Women start working uh, in office support. Right. A mm-hmm. nurse. You yep, know, all, yep. just all of that stuff where you just kind of get pigeonholed into all of these blocks just because of those microaggressive behaviors. So, I mean, it's real. And I can recall working in an environment one time where, look, everyone joked around. I totally got it. But you know how somebody will say something, Keith, and you'll say to yourself, and hey, that's just not too funny to me. You, you, right. Exactly. You know I mean? like, exactly. That's just not that too ain't funny cool. to me, that, right? right. Like, and so, right. I didn't so you, get the punchline. Right, right. So you're walking around and you're a little hot. You might be even a little bit bitter. But I look at if I zoom out just a little bit, I didn't really have much of a connection you know, right. with those with, coworkers, with those folks, right? That's right. And, and what it tends to be is it looks like I'm not a team player. Not, right. I'm not, here's, I'm not joining another in. Narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not joining in. I'm not really in the game. I'm not really in it. Whatever the case is. But again, I think sometimes people can say, you know what, Keith, Ricky, you guys over here exaggerate. That's right. You know, yep. you over here. That's just, right. Y'all just making again, this up. Again, you're like, it's just jokes, right? Or, hey, I didn't really mean anything by that. I didn't really right. mean anything by that. So, Keith, people may not believe me. They may not believe you. So, I think this is that part of the time where we go ahead and we dig in a little bit deeper. Hit them with some receipts. Keith, some tell receipts. them what this means. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of stats out there to just talk about just impacts. And a lot of this comes down to microaggressions. When you look at career opportunities, when you look at compensation, when you look at representation in the workplace, and just to share some of those stats, when you look at career opportunities, Payscale did a study that shows that roughly the same percentage of men and women start their careers as individual contributors, right? But women's careers stall at kind of the manager and supervisor level, right? So, we all start at the same point, right? But the women just stall, right? right? Some, some kind of way, right? And when you look at it, just by race, this was crazy. Seventy-two percent of Asian women are individual contributors, and only two percent of Asian Black and Hispanic women make it to the C-suite. That's crazy, especially when you're thinking about the educational system now. And us, you know, here being in California, we're talking about. 20, 25 years ago, it wasn't very difficult to get into like the UC system right. or even it, even the state schools. Right? That's right. And now it's even really difficult to go there. And we know that when you look at the statistics, I mean, there's a very large population of Asian Americans that actually attend college. And, and we're talking like in some really good fields. Some good jobs. Yeah, engineering, pre-med, a lot of these different fields. And out of that, even though we have those numbers We come back to 72% of Asian women are individual contributors. So there's something structural, right? (laughs) Right. About that. And there's something, there's a mindset, you know, Asian woman, they're passive. They're not this. All of that stuff. stuff. And those are the microaggressions that create those fewer career opportunities. So again, as we're talking about, when you started talking about the moral to the story and the power structure and this, that, and the Mm -hmm. other, right? It's some reality to that. That's it. There's Mm -hmm. some reality to that. And then you start to look at compensation. And we've all heard these these stats before. Women's Policy Research Institute, it comes out time and time again. Women basically make 20% less than men, right? And it's 77% for white women, 61% for black women. Latino women, 53.5% of what a man makes. The only one that's really doing overachieving is Asian women at 85%. 
But then again, their career stalls out and they become individual contributors at some point. So it's right. like this whole like messed up thing. I mean, these are receipts. Like we're not making this stuff. We're not making this stuff. Right, up. right. So I mean, there's something to this. This is something, there's something to there's it. something to this. And as we were talking about earlier, just in terms of getting to the C-suite, Fortune does a study. So they looked at you know, Fortune 500 companies. Seventy three percent of senior executives are white. Two percent black. Three percent Hispanic. <laughs> right. So there's something going on here. Right. And when you look at it from a population standpoint, I mean, blacks and Hispanics make up combined 22, 23 percent of the total population. Mm-hmm. Yet they got five percent of the executive jobs. Right. right. So something's stopping it. Something's there. Something's there. And again, to our listeners, we're not saying that microaggressions and coded language is the only reason it's not there's the only no reason. parity in there, but there's something to there's it. There's something to it. There's something to the narrative that's there to be said. There's something to the conversations that is happening. There's something to even like the cultural pieces to it here. You become conditioned, conditioned. to kind of hearing some of these things and it does impact the way you that's think right. or view yourself or even how, how far you dream. That's right. You know, so to that's speak. Right. And again, mm-hmm. microaggressions are unconscious. <laughs> right, right. Right. So you just have these visions and perceptions of what a person based on their characteristics, the profiles that they should fit. Mm-hmm. And you start to make decisions off of that stuff. Yeah. And I will add that we're going to assume good intent, right? We're going to yep. assume that assume no one's out intent. there trying that's to right. purposely hurt people's feelings or purposely saying hurtful things. But we know that's not necessarily the case. We won't sure. say all because we do know some there's people. Definitely who, people who, are malicious. <laughs> who are doing that stuff. But there is definitely some impacts to this. So, but again, like part of what we were speaking about earlier too with the interrupting, I'm, the New York Times, like there was an article in New York Times that says men are three times more likely to interrupt a woman versus another man. Versus another man. Right. <laughs> What's that all about? Again, like we talked about it, like this is that behavior this that is a behavior. And I would say that sometimes that stuff turns from unconscious to almost expected. Yes. It that's turns right. to unconscious. But think to about the expected. impact that that has on the lady that's sitting there at the table that's mm-hmm. constantly getting interrupted. At some point in time, you're just gonna tune out. So if it's if it's you and I in the room and we witnessed this happen and let's say we didn't have the professional courage to step in and to, to say something right and again it really depends on who's the one doing the interrupting right okay but you start to attribute the person who interrupted the person who's over talking as being superior or the yes. boss or whose opinion matters more than yes you know exactly someone right. else's yep. <laughs> right so again there is behavior i mean look we've all been in meetings where you'll see facial expressions Mm-hmm. When someone makes a comment, body language, and then you'll hear somebody, what do they call it? Mansplaining, right? Will say the same shit that you, you just, just said. It. it sounds like an awfully bad recording. Exactly. That's know, right. Or somebody taking credit for, for your work. Right. But again, they may not hear that idea come from you. Right. But when the person who does the interrupting or the person who speaks the loudest, when they say it, it really sounds like a damn good exactly. idea. Exactly. That sounds authoritative. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. In fact. So, Keith, I mean, I think we've talked about some great consequences. We've shared some pretty good personal stories and some tales, right? I think this is the part we probably should transition into making sure that we deliver some of these secrets or some of these nuggets from our experiences and whatnot, but some of these secrets to help 
our listeners deal yeah, with deal some with, of these, deal microaggressions. With these microaggressions. Yeah, sure. And for us, we had four to share with you today. I'll tell you what those are, and then we'll dive in a little bit. But really, when you're dealing with microaggressions and you recognize it, one secret, be graceful and just kind of follow up with a factoid. Something else you can do is just use that as a teachable moment with your colleagues. Another one is just ignore it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And finally, and last one would be just to confide in somebody so you can release some stress. Talk to me real quick, if you can, in terms of like being graceful and yeah. trying to use like a factor. Give me an example of what sure. you mean by that. So we'll go back to that one where you don't look gay or you don't act gay kind of a thing. And so if somebody says that to me, what I'll do is just kind of gracefully respond, say, hey, that comment was very interesting. But did you know that when you think about the spectrum of masculinity and femininity, straight and gay people run a whole spectrum. So I don't know what you expected a gay person or straight person to be like, but there's a whole spectrum about there. And you should never make assumptions about someone's sexual orientation based on their mannerisms for that reason, right? So just hitting them with a fact kind of stops them in their tracks and at least makes them think before they think about saying stu- something stupid like that right, again. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, so and, and I would take it one step further. It's like, it, so with that, that is a, a good teachable moment. And again, you got to be prepared that if you address someone more than not, they will be defensive when you say it, because they will say, I didn't mean it. Or I didn't you, mean it. That's right. Hey, I, can't you take a Sorry. joke or, yep. you know, this, that, some other. excuse. But, but again, if we're talking about now, maybe transition that into like a bit of a, a teachable, teachable moment. moment. It's like, hey, hey, you don't look gay to me. Well, I don't really necessarily know what gay looks like. And if I was gay, you made me not feel comfortable saying anything to you, that's right. <laughs> you know, about it. Right. That's but right. I would just say, hey, that's probably not the right comment to make that's you know, right. about someone especially given how hard it is in some circles, how unpopular it is for Mm -hmm. you to be your authentic self. That's right. But by you making those type of comments, it makes it really uneasy for me to be my authentic self. Oh, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Or when they they say something like, you're so articulate, a teacher moment, it's like, you can just ask them, what did you mean by that? Right. right. You know, just to give them a chance to articulate what they actually meant. And what you'll find a lot of times is they'll pause and they're like, maybe they'll realize, Oh, crap. Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> right. Uh-oh. I didn't really mean that. But again, if you take the time to assume good intent and create a safe space for them, you can you can have a conversation about it that gets you to a place where you both understand now and leave it in a good space. And again, Keith, I mean, when we say teachable moments, we say graceful responses. I mean, this does take some professional courage, you know, sometimes. Right. So and you have to be comfortable in your own skin, voicing your opinion and absolutely doing what you think is right. And it could even be I mean, this stuff happens in the break rooms all the time. time. Like and you could clearly be not even in a conversation and you hear someone make a an insensitive comment or one of those types of deals. And it's like you're not in a conversation. But again, being comfortable saying, hey, you guys, like that's probably not the smartest thing to say. Right. You may have been joking, but to some people it wasn't a joke. It wasn't a joke to me. That's right. right? It wasn't and a joke to me. Unfortunately, these are the situations that could cause someone to end up getting written up 
potentially losing their job. And I'm sure that's not necessarily someone's intent when they're making insensitive comments. But the reality is, is this could happen. Sure. So I think if we're talking about being comfortable in your skin. You got to speak up and say something. That's right. You got to right. speak up and say something. You can something. speak up and say something. At the end of the day, too, you also have a choice to just ignore it. Right. Right. You can't just say, hey, don't care. But again, there's consequences to ignoring it, as we talked about earlier. Because it but, may not stop. Because it, 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 it may not stop. Right. Good point. So I don't want to make a, a, a scene in the break room. I don't want to talk to the person who's so loud because they're going to make a big deal out of it or try to make me feel some kind of way. You know what you can do? You can go talk to your supervisor. You, you can go. go talk to human resources. You can. There are things that you, you can, can do. do. There's absolute things that you can do. And your job's responsibility or your boss's responsibility is to take action and to make that behavior stop. Oh, oh for sure. That's, for what sure. that's that, what their role and responsibility is, is that's to right. make that stop. Yeah, absolutely. Now, whether they do that or not, that's another discussion, another time. But right. again, these are things that you can absolutely do to kind of change the momentum. That's right. And I think the last thing around this whole thing is at the end of the day, fix yourself a cocktail call your friend, call your girlfriend, whoever else, and just blow some steam about it. Yeah. Right? Just yeah. talk about that MF there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is what he said to me and let it rip. What you should not do is don't internalize and don't do anything. That's about exactly. It. You should That's absolutely right. do That's something right. about it. Because again, at the end of the day, you go to work, you're in your groups or you're in society to be able to do what you want to do. For right? sure. And to be left alone when you're doing it <laughs> right. right. You don't need to be uh, dealing with this. But hey, again, we talked about from our experience how these microaggressions how this, this coded language kind of impacts us. It happens every day. I don't think that things will stop. You no, know, it's from systemic. Them listening it to is us. systemic. <laughs> right, That's right, right. However, our goal today was just to make you aware of it and just to give you some tools to be able to uh, kind of deal with it. But one thing I will uh, say again is, I am so appreciative that we have this platform That's right. to be able to talk about this stuff, to be able to banter back and forth. And I really, really hope that someone listening today was able to get something out of get, this. Get something out of this. That's right. And we really appreciate everyone listening in and, and being a part of this because we're really trying to just create a movement to make sure that we get more people moving in a positive direction as they manage their careers. And, and we just ask you again, if you like what you heard, Tell somebody else about it. Tune in. But for now, though, do you hear something, Keith? Uh, no, I don't. What's going on? I don't have any more ice in my cup. Okay, so it's time for us to fill up. Let's get it. <laughs> so until next time, uh, you guys, we appreciate it. Thanks for All right, take care. Thank you all for listening today. Hopefully you gained a secret or two that can be applied as your journey continues. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends, and donate via Patreon. Check us out at www.secrets.com to get more information about our secret services. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.